the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the 11th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Coming up in one hour, Dr. Everett Piper will be joining us, former university president, current best-selling author, and national conservative pundit. He's got a couple of stories for us that you're probably not going to believe and you probably wish you hadn't heard, but they're happening and we need to address them. That'll be coming up at the uh, top of hour number two. As we start today, I've got good news, and I've got bad news on the immigration front. The good news is we have a headline from CBS News. ICE raids targeting thousands of undocumented migrants will reportedly begin this weekend. That's the good news. The bad news is that we have a headline. ICE raids targeting thousands of undocumented migrants will reportedly begin this weekend. Why is this being broadcast? Why is this known to, uh, be, uh, to, the, uh, to the press and thus, by way of the press, can allow every single illegal alien who has been given final orders of deportation, letting them know that this weekend is when they have to hide out? Lay low. Go underground. Do whatever you got to do. Because ISIS is coming this weekend. Why are we announcing these things? Was it World War One when the uh, adage "loose lips sink ships" was was uh, was first coined? I think you can't go telling the enemy what you're doing, or it's going to cause you major problems. And in this case, the quote unquote enemy. People who have been given final orders of deportation and who yet remain in the United States, they are being informed that ICE is coming. 
and that the deportations are about to start. Somebody explained to me how that makes any sense at all. ICE agents will start knocking on doors this Sunday in at least 10 cities as the Trump administration starts to carry out raids on illegal immigrants. The New York Times reports the agency is targeting about 2,000 people who have been under orders of deportation. Due to space constraints, some might be temporarily housed in hotels until they can be removed from the country. President Trump threatened to begin the raids last month, but agreed to postpone and give congressional Democrats more time to work on changing immigration laws. Yeah, he told them you've got two weeks to fix the asylum laws and beyond, and they did nothing, which, again, was, you know, look, I I don't question the president often, but I question him on that one. Did you really think they haven't done anything for years to address this problem? Did you think they would act in the two weeks that uh, you said, hey, uh, otherwise I'm going to start deporting? And first of all, why are we setting our sights so low? 2,000. There are well over 1 million illegal aliens in this country, according to federal officials, with final orders of deportation. And we should probably clarify what that means. Final order of deportation isn't like, hey, we just saw somebody come across, get them and drag them out and put them in on, a, on a, a bus or a journey back to their home country. That's No, no, no. These are people who have been here, who have filed appeals, who have filed claims, they've committed crimes, they have done things that made them absolutely, you cannot stay here, final order of deportation. Again, generally speaking, these people are, are, are other criminals. In, in other words, they're criminals who have committed offenses other than just the fact that they are here. I just don't understand why we're announcing this. Last Friday, the president renewed his threat to order mass deportations of undocumented migrant families. The raids were postponed in June after the president previewed the operation on Twitter. Don't know why he did that. Stating that ICE would be removing millions of illegal aliens. Okay, now we're at 2,000, so that wasn't accurate. The raids have been a flashpoint in immigration communities across the country. Acting Customs and Border uh, Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan disputed the term raid in interviews on CBS last month, instead labeling these interior enforcement. Quote, if you're a mother with a kid, is that mother going to be handcuffed? No, she doesn't need to be handcuffed. But if you're a criminal alien and you've been convicted of murder, sex assault, etc., are you going to be handcuffed? You bet you're going to be handcuffed. So in other words, Morgan is saying, Some of it could look like raids. Some of it could be a little bit more aggressive than others. It's going to depend on the circumstances. But the problem here, again, is that they know they're coming. And and the moment this was even a possibility last month, what's the first thing you saw from liberal groups and including elected officials like Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, literally going online and telling people how to evade uh, detection, telling criminals who have been given final orders of deportation, here's how you avoid ICE. I want you to think about that for a minute. If I wanted to use a very loose interpretation of it, I could call this aiding and abetting a crime. Aiding and abetting the resisting arrest by uh, illegal aliens, criminal aliens who have been given final orders of deportation. Uh, obstruction of justice. Seriously, interfering with police matters. Uh, and I'm, again, very loose interpretations of those things. But that's what it is, and that's what they're doing. I promise you, every left-wing site online today that every criminal illegal alien will be able to access from their iPhones here in the United States, they will look on there and they will find out exactly what cities are being targeted. They will look on and they will find out Excuse me. They will find out the 
uh, uh, times, the cities that are being targeted, they're going to find the times that they're coming and, and so on, and they're going to tell them how to hide. They're going to learn. The possible raids come amid, this is a CBS report, come amid increasing scrutiny over conditions at migrant detention centers. On Wednesday, reporters toured a new health and human services facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas. Video shows clean rooms and children in classrooms, which contrast the troubling images from a recent DHS Inspector General report that condemned unsanitary conditions and dangerous overcrowding at some CBP facilities. Newsflash, spoiler alert. Of course there's dangerous overcrowding at CBP facilities because we have tens of thousands coming across every month and being jammed into facilities built for 4,000. Because we have nowhere else to put them. Excuse me, I'm going to continue to fight this cough all day. If you hear a moment or two of silence, just bear with me. Um, and a little sign of the cross wouldn't hurt either. Uh, <laughs> that's just how I feel. But that's, um, that is exactly the problem. Of course there is overcrowding. Now, to that point, let me pivot to another story. A story of repugnant dishonesty by the repugnant demon rats that, that are trying to do everything they can to paint Donald Trump as an insensitive, uh, uncaring beast of a man who hates young children of color and so on and so forth. Um, they decided to promote the hearing that they are calling about keeping migrants in what they are calling kids' cages, they decided to promote this, the House Oversight Committee Democrats. And in promoting their hearings that where they wanted to announce, look at us, look at the heroes that we are, we're going to hold hearings soon about the kind of conditions that these uh, kids are in. And in order to promote that hero worship and to try to you know sell, uh, give themselves pats on the back and so on, they used Twitter, they used social media, AOC's favorite thing, to post pictures of how bad the conditions are. The Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties held a forum called Kids in Cages, Inhumane Treatment at the Border, promising to, quote, examine the impact of the Trump administration's deterrence policies on the humanitarian crisis at the border. And, and by, the, by the way, I should say this. This subcommittee of Democrats, a little late to the party, but now they're actually admitting this is a crisis on the border. The president called it crisis. They said manufactured. The president called it emergency. They said manufactured. Now they're saying humanitarian crisis. Just hacks, all of them. At any rate, promising to examine the impact of the Trump administration's deterrence policies on the humanitarian crisis at the border and the lack of accountability for abuse and misconduct in detention facilities. Leading up to the event, the Oversight Committee Democrats tweeted an advisory to promote this, to, again, make themselves look good. And they included pictures showing migrant kids lying down behind chain-link fencing underneath solar blankets. They had to take that photo down because demon rats that they are somebody caught them they were using photos from 2014 when barack obama was president and joe biden was vice president the horrific conditions that they wanted to portray in photographic form to show how cruel trump and his administration is at the border was specifically from the obama photo pile think about that just a moment House Democrats promoting their civil rights hearing on kids in cages used pictures from 2014 
So they had to take them down when they got busted. Undeterred, they gave it another shot and sent out a second promotional tweet for their their committee hearing with a different photo. It, too, had to be abruptly removed after the Oversight Committee. Republicans pointed out to their colleagues, you know, that's a picture from 2014, too. (laughs) Remind us who was president then. I want you to ponder that. Don't gloss over this. They literally are trying to tell the American people that Trump is the evil, mean, insensitive monster that is putting these kids in these deplorable conditions. Just look at them suffer there. This is what they said in their tweets. This is the message they gave. Look at these kids suffering because of the migrant humanitarian crisis at the border. Trump has to be held accountable for this. Border Patrol agents have to be held accountable. CBP, we can't allow this to continue. And they found two pictures to use. Both of them were from 2014, when Donald Trump was a real estate billionaire in New York, having nothing to do with federal government. When Barack Obama and Joe Biden were on the watch. When Barack Obama and Joe Biden and their version of CBP and all of the other federal agencies as a part of Department of Homeland Security built these facilities, separated and cordoned off the uh, areas with chain link fence in order to make sure that young adults, young males and young females were separated for obvious reasons and to make sure that unaccompanied children were separated from adults so they were not put in harm's way. Um, Those are separations. Those are partitions. They want to call them cages, fine, call them cages, but point out that those cages were built and first used for the for the 2014, 2015, and 2016, last three years of the Obama presidency. Keep trying to pin this on Donald Trump, and let's see how far that gets, because we're ready for you. Demon rats never, ever underestimate our resolve to expose you for what you are every single step of the way. It's 919, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Nine twenty-four. The Bob France Authority continues. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I probably should give you the phone numbers. We are uh, open for your calls this first hour. And uh, in part of the second hour as well, we will have uh, in the first, at the top of the second hour, rather, we will talk to Dr. Everett Piper, former university president, uh, conservative pundit, best-selling author about a number of issues. So uh, between now and then, dial 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you here. Uh, Twitter and Facebook and Parler. It's France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, just France Radio if you want to hit me on Twitter and Facebook. Let's talk about the race card for a moment. You know, the race card has often been called, accurately so, uh, the last refuge of the defeated. If you cannot win an argument with somebody, call them a racist, right? I mean, seriously, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's time tested. It's been working for decades and decades and decades in this country. If you can't win an argument over the merits of a case, call your opponent a racist. Barack Obama and his supporters, oh my goodness, they perfected it to an art form. If you criticized Obamacare and you could not justify an individual mandate, well, (laughs) 
You racist? How dare you criticize that? If you didn't like Barack Obama saying police acted stupidly because you support law enforcement, you're just a racist. It was an art form with them, I mean, honestly, and it it continues now. Being used more, not by an African-American, although, you know, that continues in a lot of places as well, but um, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez is is also elevating this to an art form. She is now ready to call anybody who disagrees with her a racist, even if that somebody is on her side. And that's what happened. Yesterday, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez implied that Nancy Pelosi is a racist and said that the House Speaker, who has been, quote, disrespectful toward, quote, newly elected women of color, end quote, uh, need to be called out for it. She was doing an interview with, gasp, the Washington Post. Real shocking, right? And the discussion was on the growing rift between Pelosi, the Speaker, and the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, highlighted, if not led, by four women who are easily the most outspoken among all members of Congress on both parties, in both parties. Alexandria Damasio-Cortez from New York, um, uh, Jihad Omar from Michigan, or from Minnesota, rather, uh, Sharia Tlaib from Michigan, and Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts. These are, these are four young freshmen who have never been in this job before who just decided they're going to come into Washington, D.C., and take over Congress. Actually, take over the full government. They think that with all of their seven or eight IQ points all collected together, that they can just change the way the entire government is run, dictating to the executives what they can do, dictating to congressional leadership, including the Speaker and their own House uh, Majority Leader, telling them what they can and should do, and doing it loudly, obnoxiously, and most importantly, stupidly. And I mean literally stupid ideas, such as the Green New Deal. And if you dare criticize them for their extraordinarily loud, obnoxious, and condescending ideas, if you criticize them, you are a racist. Pelosi was quoted... Last week on July 6th, you probably recall, we played it, uh, taking a thinly veiled shot at Cortez and the other freshman Democrats, saying that, quote, all these people have their public whatever, she's talking about social media, and their Twitter world, but they didn't, didn't have any following. They're like four people, and that's how many votes they got. And she's specifically speaking of the votes that those four freshmen made against the $4.6 billion for the humanitarian crisis on the border that they claim they are so concerned about. So Pelosi correctly calls them out because they're livid that this money got approved to go help the people at the border that they're complaining don't have enough help at the border. So Pelosi takes that, makes that comment. She's referring to the women that I just mentioned. And Ocasio-Cortez then goes to the Post and says she initially believed Pelosi was employing a strategy to protect moderate Democrats. But she suggested she really believes that there's racism here. When the comments first started, said Damasio-Cortez, I kind of think that she was keeping the progressive flank at more of an arm's distance in order to protect more moderate members, which I understood. But the persistent singling out 
it got to a point where it was just outright disrespectful, the explicit singling out of newly elected women of color. That's how, that's how they roll. That's how they roll. That's what they do. First of all, she's wrong. Second of all, it doesn't matter that she's wrong. That's the game she plays. It's about my race, isn't it? Um, no, it's about you're the biggest mouth, 29-year-old know-nothing that we've ever had come into Congress and try to run the show. Of course I'm going to tell you to step in, stay in your lane and quiet down a little bit. It's because she's a Muslim, right? No, it's because she's the second biggest mouth, know-nothing freshman to come in here and try to tell everybody how to run the whole show. And that's what she does. It's because she's Palestinian, right? It's because she's black, and we're covering all of them. It's, we're covering Cortez, we're covering uh, Omar, Talib, and Presley. That's what this is all about. They're playing the race card. Do you think that the race card will be enough to win the presidency, to stop Donald Trump, to stop conservatives who continue to push back and rebel against the Democratic House takeover? Do they honestly think that the race card is going to be effective? Because I got news for them, and this isn't news, really. I'll take that back. They know it already. It's all they've got. It literally is all they've got. Back after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Taking a look as we get in, uh, as we continue at nine thirty six now on the Bob Brands Authority. <clears throat> Just taking a look at some of the new freshmen in Congress, the new uh, Democrats. There's sixty seven new Democrats in Congress, and they include the aforementioned Alexandria Damasio Cortez, Rash- uh, Sharia Talib, Jihad Omar, and uh, Ayanna Presley. I got no nickname for nickname for Ayanna Presley yet. Because she hadn't done anything to deserve those things. Um, the anti-Semitic, uh, pro-Islamic uh, 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 jihad and Sharia are pretty easy. And uh, Damasio earns that nickname every time she speaks. Uh, Presley is just working her way up, I guess, to that. But I'm looking at some of the other names, some of the other freshman representatives in the, uh, in the House. And, and there are some names here that you probably haven't heard Nancy Pelosi condemn. There's a freshman by the name of Golden... There's a freshman uh, who's white by the name of Harder from California. There's a freshman Democrat congressional representative named Davids from Kansas. There's another white one from Illinois named Caston. You probably don't know me know these people. I don't know many of these people. Uh, there's a, uh, a white woman named uh, Axne, A-X-N-E, if I'm saying that correctly, freshman from Iowa. Why isn't Nancy Pelosi calling them out and telling them uh, to stop being such troublemakers and causing so many problems and being so uh, uh, being so being such flies in the ointment, if you will, as they try to advance the legislative process. You know, it's hard enough already for liberal Democrats like Nancy Pelosi to work across the aisle and get anything done. Like, for example, on that funding for the uh, uh, humanitarian crisis at the border, it's hard enough because they already disagree with one another on so much. But then you add in the Pelosi, or excuse me, the um, uh, the uh, Damasio and Sharia and Jihad and Presley part of the the Democrat freshmen, and it gets even harder. So 
my point in bringing all of those names up is you haven't heard Nancy Pelosi criticize them. Why? Well, according to Damasio Cortez, it's because they're all white. And Pelosi is only targeting freshman women of color. Clearly, she's racist. Now, what I also find interesting about that is there are new freshmen of color in the Democratic Party, in the Democratic uh, Congress, who also have not been called out. So if she's not calling out white people in Congress, in, in the Democratic Caucus, and if she's not calling out all people of color, for example, example Delgado of New York, Hayes of Connecticut, um, uh, Negus of Colorado, and I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Torres Smile of New Mexico. There's all of these, you know, other members of the Democratic freshman class who are not drawing any rebukes from Nancy Pelosi. And they're all people of color. So if she's so racist, why isn't she calling all, out all of them? And the answer is, and I know this is, you know, this isn't chess level for, for people who are paying attention, but they're all respectful and staying in their lanes. They know they're new to Washington, D.C. They don't know how the legislative process works. They don't know how the inner workings of getting deals done between Democrats and Republicans works. They're learning. It's like Anthony Gonzalez. We talked to you on our program, uh, the freshman who took uh, the 16th congressional district seat after he was given up by Jim Renacci. You notice he's not making a lot of outlandish statements. He's keeping his head down. He's, he's learning. He's studying. And he's, and he's leading for it and representing. That's what he's supposed to do. But these four are the big mouths that never stop roaring. And she's wondering why is she specifically singling out us, these freshmen uh, members uh, of Congress who are women of color, people of color. That's what she's saying. I mean, I promise you, you want her to stop talking about you so much? Shut up, AOC. Stop offering stupid online videos while you're making chili and putting couches together from Ikea. Stop making outlandish statements about women drinking from toilets down on the border. Stop being so, goodness gracious, great balls of fire, stupid. Try to at least offer some semblance of reason, and you won't get called out by people in your own party. And you won't have to then play your ridiculous race card. No, Nancy Pelosi isn't talking about you because you are Latina. No, she's not talking about Tlaib and Omar because they're Muslims. No, she's not talking about Presley because she's black. She's talking about all four of yous because you because you never shut up. And it's sometimes it might be okay to not shut up if you knew what you were doing. But when you seriously... When your IQ isn't very much higher than your age and you're only 29, you are definitely going to need to be, need to um, listen more and speak less. Let's put it that way. BJ is in North Olmstead on AM 1420, The Answer. BJ, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I think these young ladies are the greatest asset that the Republican Party has. I'd like to take you back a few uh, uh, years ago. I agree with that, the, by uh, the way. When the Black Caucus was in, in had just grown in Congressional Black Caucus, yeah. what issue did they use that they were attacking with? Racism. These young ladies have picked that up. It's part of the Democratic Party's mantra. With these young It's not just part of their mantra, BJ, if I may. It's not just part of their mantra. What I said going into the break at the bottom of the hour, it literally is all they have. 
And and I mean, I, I, I they have nothing else to run on. They have nothing else with which to criticize the Trump administration because the economy is doing so well. Our military is funded at full strength. Uh, it, it, you know, we we talk about the jobs. We're talking about all these different things in this country. Uh, taxes are lower. People have more pockets. Wages are rising. All that they can't go after the the Republicans on literally anything. So they have to go with you're a racist if you reject us. And oppose us. It's because we are people of color. I mean, I, 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 I I'm not I even dis- kidding. It's not part of what they do. It's all that they have anymore. I don't disagree with that. But the point I'm trying to make is, mm-hmm. these young women were raised in that Democratic Party interpretation yeah. of complain, stand in the way, obstruct. How many times has Donald Trump told the uh, told the uh, American public that these uh, socialist Democrats are acting like children? That's what these young women are doing. What they're doing is practicing what the Democratic Party has taught them over the last 50 years. Socialism, complain, victim, all these negative things. There is nothing negative. Listen, when we when we came up with Party of Death, and you've used that so many times, they are bad. And if you're the Party of Death, what kind of outlook can you have about the, enjoying life, being grateful for life? The Democratic Party has told their people that vote them in that they are a miserable bunch of people and have to be taken care of, that they are incapable of taking care of themselves. They've ingrained that into the black population, which I believe is waking up more and more. They tried to tell the Hispanics, when you come to America, we're going to take care of you because you're not capable of taking care of yourselves in the country you left. We're going to take care of you. You're incapable. When they told women, you are being downtrodden, when the LGBT community came out, they said, you are unloved. You are the unwashed. We're going to protect you. There is nothing negative that they do not support, Bob. And that's why I say they have to be the greatest asset that the Republican Party has had. These young women are doing what Nancy Pelosi taught, taught them what how to do years ago when she rebuked everything that a, a Republican president said. So we have to become more aware of the fact that these young women are practicing what they were taught. Sorry, Nancy, you were a great teacher. And I hope at that point kind of takes a little bite here, and I'd like your comments on it. I, by the way, I enjoy what you're doing more and more. Thanks, Pop, for your time. Thank you, BJ. My comments, though, are going to be short because um, it's, you know, it's, there's only so many ways to say spot on. But you are. You're spot on. It's what they've been taught. It's what they've been brainwashed with. And, and, and it's interesting you said more and more black people seem to be waking up. And I think that's a great way to phrase it. Uh, they're not, quote, getting smarter. They've already been smart. I mean, there's so many really, really um, great black leaders who are smart and who understand this country and the opportunities that they have. But they, too, have been brainwashed by the liberal indoctrination centers and if it's not public schools and high schools it is indeed uh you know leaders in the uh, in the black community or supposed leaders in the black community who have told them how oppressed and downtrodden they are and how somehow democrats the party of jim crow democrats the party of the kkk democrats the party of slavery democrats the party that opposed emancipation and the civil rights act are somehow looking out for blacks Excuse me again, there's the uh, coughing fit, sorry. But it's not as if, you know, black people in America, you know, were, were, you know, didn't get that, didn't understand the truth. They were just being brainwashed by people, and now there's this great awakening. They've always had uh, a great understanding of this country, but they have just been lied to for so long 
they're just now coming out of it. And that's why wonderful leaders, you know, it's kind of weird. We've got this um, this this diverse age diversity um, population of conservative blacks, conservative African-Americans, um, the great Thomas Sowell, for example, the great Walter Williams, these brilliant sage uh, 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 um, thinkers and 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 leaders and teachers and philosophers and professors and so on and so forth have been trying to sound this alarm for years and nobody would listen. And then it took a younger generation of of black leaders, the likes of which we're seeing now with Candace Owens, for example, with Turning Point USA, leading a Brexit movement, the kind of thing that just they didn't have the slogan for it. Walter and, and Thomas Sowell and others, they didn't have the slogan, uh, the Blexit, I'm sorry, not Brexit, Blexit, if I said Brexit, my apologies, that was the point. Blexit is the black exit from the Democrat Party. Blexit is the black exit from what they call the Democrat plantation, because the Democrats continue to try to keep people of color, um, you know, chained metaphorically to the plantation of big government, keeping them in need, keeping them in poverty, in poverty of in the literal sense, but also thought poverty. Don't let them think for themselves. Tell them and convince them, we'll do all the thinking for you. Here's your card. Don't worry about this. Here's your subsidy for your house. Here's your Section 8. Here's your, um, uh, here's your food stamp. I mean, this is, this is what they've done is they have convinced a population of people by race for so many decades that the only way for them to get ahead in this life is to stay behind and allow the Democrats to take care of them. That's the, the, the plantation that Candace and other African-American leaders are talking about. Um, there have always been a lot of super, super intelligent leaders in the African-American community, but who just didn't know how to apply that because they'd been lied to for so long by the, the true racial arsonists and the true dividers and the profiteers. You know, I, I could play probably five or six different Prager University clips coming from African-American leaders, thought leaders, talking about how, uh, you know, the, the, the left has been, in fact, the white liberal has been the bane of their existence because the white liberal is who continues to try to keep them down and indebted into, um, or indebted to, I should say, the Democrat Party. We gave you all of those benefits. We gave you all of those uh, um, entitlements. We gave you those subsidies. You owe us votes. Otherwise, you're not going to get those things anymore. It's been an unholy alliance for far too long. But that Blexit is happening. It absolutely is. And it's happening against the wishes of people like AOC. Not that she's black, but she's talking about people of color in general, and uh, and and all of those who are just you know invested in the for-profit scheme of racism and race baiting in the United States. The white liberals who literally benefit the most from that—they're panicking right now. Did you see the latest poll among African Americans? Um, who approve of the Trump economy, it's some 39%, because they know they've got jobs, and they don't need to sit there and wait for Democrats to hand them EBT cards. They've got jobs that are good-paying jobs, and they're going to work, and there's record low black unemployment. And they're all looking at the left and saying, we don't need you guys. We got this on our own. And that Blexit that is being 
you know, that is being pushed right now is, is a terrifying, terrifying message for the left. They know they need 90-plus percent of the vote, the black vote, to win federal elections. They need 90, especially the presidential election. They need the same 90-plus percent of the black vote. If they only get 85% of the black vote, they lose. Badly. Which is why you see people like AOC and you see others. She's a devout, so a devout socialist, along with the Muslims that are in her, in her little group, her little uh, freshman women of color caucus. Um, it's why you're seeing them continuing to try to play the race card, even against people in their own party. And Nancy Pelosi is a white woman. She just is trying to keep us down. Anything to keep black and people of color unified together under the umbrella of the, uh, the Democratic Party rather than thinking on their own, coming up with the realization that we are not better under liberal progressive entitlement rules. We are better off when we can go out and earn and learn and achieve and thrive and strive for more than that on our own. Blexit is real, and that's why this, uh, this race card is still so extraordinarily important for them to continue to play. They've got to try to pull these people back in. All right, 951. Uh, if you want to talk, let's do it. 216-901-0945, right after this. WHKradio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Into this world we're thrown. Nine fifty six. Um, I I kind of just feel the need to segue into this story that I didn't talk about yesterday, but perhaps you've heard of. As I talk about Blexit and I talk about the race card being played as often as possible by the left, uh, by people of color like AOC, Alexandria Damasio Cortez. Um, they're terrified of losing full-on unified mi- minority support for the Democrat Party. And here's another great example of it. Robert Johnson, know that name? He's the founder of BET, that's Black Entertainment Tele- Television. He is a uh, America's first black billionaire. All right? He's a billionaire. And he was a huge, huge fan of President Barack Obama. But he's also a huge, huge fan of money. And that's a good thing. I don't say that derogatorily. I say that good in, in a good way because he believes in a strong economy. And Robert Johnson, the founder of Black Entertainment Television, the first black billionaire in America, praises Donald Trump, praises him for the roaring economy, and has said that the Democrats, his party, has moved too far to the left. If they start losing black leaders in business, in entertainment, in uh, you know, people in situations like uh, Robert Johnson's, where he's a, he's a business executive, the founder of this successful, widely successful uh, television network, and the first black billionaire. If they start losing them, it's over. It's over, and that's why they're so important for them to continue to play the race cards. Uh, card those who don't get it uh, on CNN. I'm sorry, not CNN. CNBC. Robert Johnson, uh, just, I think it was Monday, said, the party, in my opinion, for me personally, has moved too far to the left. And for that reason, I don't have a particular candidate I'm supporting in the party at this time. I think at the end of the day, if a Democrat is going to beat Trump, then that person, he or she, will have to move to the center. And you can't wait too long to do that, end quote. So in other words, he's saying they're all, far, they're all racing to the left to give Medicare for all to everybody, including illegal aliens. Open the borders. Decriminalize illegal border crossings. I mean, all the things that we know that are on the left platform, he's saying those are terrible. 
And the only way you're going to really beat Trump is if you come back to the middle and pull some of the centrists and the moderates to vote for our nominee, whoever it's going to be. And otherwise, it sounds like he's saying he would support Trump over somebody who's like that. Now, he describes himself, does um, Robert Johnson, as a centrist, but a Democrat, a Democrat centrist. He supported Hillary Clinton in 2016, but he has expressed admiration for a lot of Trump's policies after the election. Quote, I think the economy is doing great, and it's reaching populations that heretofore had very bad problems in terms of jobs and employment and opportunities that come with employment. So African-American unemployment is at its lowest level, he said. And he's right. In June, the black unemployment rate stood at 6%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's 0.1% above its lowest point last year, which was the lowest ever. Sadly, Democrats refused to applaud for the historic, uh, historic lows in black unemployment during Trump's State of the Union address in February, if you remember that. Johnson did, though. He said, I give the president a lot of credit for moving the economy in a positive direction that's benefiting a large amount of Americans. I think the tax cuts clearly help stimulate the economy. I think business people have more confidence in the way the economy is going. Overall, if you look at the U.S. economy, you've got to give the president an A-plus for that. Whoever would have thought that the president and founder of BET, Black Entertainment Television, would go on CNBC under the liberal NBC News umbrella and praise Donald Trump and say that he can't support, at least now, any of the Democratic candidates for president. Yes, there is a great awakening in this country. Blexit is real. Black exits from the Democrat Party, from the Democrat plantation that has kept them uh, metaphorically enslaved and in chains. This, according to black leaders, um, it's all coming to an end. It's 10 o'clock. Dr. Everett Piper joins us next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 